welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast, the podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching. My name is Brent Davis and I'm the host of the podcast. And today I'm going down the Sydney path again. I must be getting hard up for guests, I think. I've had a couple of Sydney pros on the last couple of weeks. So I've got Robbie Curtis has come in to talk to me today. Thanks for coming in and speaking to me, Robbie. Mate, thanks for having us uh, from south of the border. Yeah, I'm, I'm technically from Albury, so I'm technically from... Ah, New South Wales. <laughs> yeah, but um, I've been down in Victoria quite a long time now, so I'm probably classed as a as a south of the border person now. So, <laughs> but um, it's um, it's yeah, two different things. So I, I asked this question of the the guest I had on last week, but I asked it to you too because obviously Sydney hasn't had the problems as strongly as Victoria has with COVID, um, but you're going through a pretty harsh lockdown at the moment. So how are you coping with lockdown at this stage? Uh, look, I've got plenty on my plate to keep me busy. Um, I guess from a, on, a, on the family front, I'm, I'm quite busy. I've got a, a couple of kids and a, two dogs and a, a great partner. And um, on the coaching front, being a uh, and the golf front for that matter, uh, been a little bit restricted, um, being not an essential uh, worker or service, but uh, I had, I must say um, I've put a, a driving or a hitting net in my backyard, so I've been able to do a few online lessons with some regulars okay. as well as okay. take the time to work on my own game, which uh, has been fun. Well, I'll touch on online as we as as we go through the the, the convo today, but um, sure. it is certainly where a heap of coaches are starting to head with online coaching now, isn't it? They are certainly heading down that path. COVID's trying to give them a, a shove down that pathway. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, any time you can maintain contact with uh, with your customer base is uh, is really important. I I've, I sort of delved into it, Brent. To be honest with you, about ten years ago, I was. Found okay. myself sending, uh, I got some good clients down in Melbourne, um, just little random videos when I was in the pro shop. They'd, you know, they'd ask for tips out of bunkers and things like that. And I'd help have my staff film me do, uh, film, filming me doing a bunker sort of clinic out of the, the pro shop and things like that. So, um, yeah, look, I, yeah, I, I, I do, it, it's, I do spend some time online with my mentor every month. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great tool. I mean, Gosh, in this day and age, we'd be lost without it. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, for those that are tuning into the podcast that don't know who you are, can you give us a bit of your background story? Yeah, so i uh, i played uh, I've played golf for uh, oh gosh since I was four. Um, represented New South Wales, um, Australian schoolboys. Uh, was uh, getting coached by Ross Herbert. In the oh, sort awesome. of mid to late nineties, um, yeah. and uh, was sort of one of the last two to go into the AIS program. And um, as fate would have it, I elected not to, and um, I uh, decided to go to university. Uh, studied for about six years. Um, I did a bachelor of science, uh, exercise and sports science. Then followed that up with a, a bachelor of education, and then proceeded to do uh, a Bachelor of Science majoring in physiotherapy, which I only did uh, nine months of. I come to the realisation I needed a real job. So at that point in time, I just thought I'd focus on my golf and um, I decided to turn pro in 2004. So I went to Q school, had a few years out there, um, realised it wasn't all that it cracked up to be. I loved golf more than I did competing um, and I'm not much of a traveller. So uh at that stage in time, I think that brings us up to about 2007, I commenced my traineeship. Um, that was good fun. Uh, I had a great time and, um, yeah, and, and sort of finished traineeship, became a head pro, coached full-time at Moore Park, probably Australia's busiest um, coaching facility. Uh, then proceeded to open up my own golf range and golf school, golf academy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, was co recently compulsorily acquired by the government, uh, so we're going through court at the moment and um, spending a ton on legal fees. And uh, I'm just coaching at a small golf range near Sydney Airport and uh, about to take up a new director of golf role at uh, Lane Cove Golf Course in Sydney. Okay, nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
so mate, there's there's a heap of things there to actually talk about, which is which well, is really cool. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you you're obviously getting you you're getting your your coaching venue taken over by the government. You have to start watching the castle so you can get a bit of some tips on how to get it back. It's funny. It's uh, yeah, we refer to our our solicitor as Dennis Denuto because uh, <laughs> he's about as dry as him, but uh, not quite as funny. Yeah, that's it. No, that's that's really cool. So take me back to. Um, state team golf. So yeah. I'm guessing you were playing state teams in the eight early sort of mid nineties. Yeah. So I played with a, a lot of really good players. Um, we had a lot of great players come out of our state. And um, one of my good buddies that I grew up playing golf with, uh, junior golf with, um, who's now a director of golf, uh, fabulous player, ball striker, Jason King has become a, a very good golf coach in his own right. Tremendous tournament experience. Um, yeah, so playing up, growing, you know, growing up playing with those guys and Nathan Green and Bryce McDonald and Scott Gardner and yeah, it was good. It was great times. I was never any as as good as those guys, but um, you know, like it, it's just good to be around good players, isn't it? Well, I've I've told this story on the podcast in the past. You might have been in even in the state squad that came down to the country and played with our. Did you What's ever make a trip down to the border? No, I played a couple of matches at uh, out at Orange. Um, I'm trying to think where else did we go? Illawarra, Newcastle. Yeah, no, I didn't do a border. Gosh, if it, if the if it was a border match, surely Greg Bell would have played. Yeah, he was he was floating around, but it was certainly was Jason Deep and Bryce was definitely on that trip. Yeah, okay. Because they they played grass greens on the Saturday, and we took them out to play sand greens on the Sunday, and they all had yeah, right. the round the wound balls and they couldn't play yeah, no, sand. On, on sand. That's where they go. Yeah, absolutely. So they pulled out the, um, the range balls out of the practice bag to be able to play on the <laughs> sand green. That's inventive. That's so, inventive. The, so the state coach back then would have been Peter Knight, I'm guessing. He would have been around about that era. Yeah, probably Colts. Um, Alex would have been, Alex Mercer would have been the senior team coach. Yep, absolutely. I, I, I actually got coached by Knighty. Um, from about ninety eight to ninety nine, I reckon. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. And he's 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 been on the podcast, so certainly tune back into his episode. He was yeah, a, he's he was a, a he's great a, conversation. He's a great guy, and uh, he's a very interesting man. He is. So talk me through what coaching was like back in the state squad days. Um. Well, I was very fortunate. I got exposed to some really good coaches. Um. And uh, you know, primarily the one guy I, that, that really comes to the front of my mind, and um. And I still talk to him quite regularly. Is Laurie Montague because um, Laurie and I were very close over a number of years, and um, yeah, we just sort of shared. I guess we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> I think I was I was more interested in the technical side of it at that point in time, and and we crossed paths later in, particularly towards the end of my traineeship when Laurie was up on the Gold Coast doing some stuff with some tour guys and some really good players, and um, yeah, and just just delving into how to make people, coaches, whatever the audience was, better. Um, and I, I think that's, um, you know, like at the end of the day, you know, you go, you seek advice to uh, to get a result, right, like to get something different to what you've been doing. And, um, yeah, Laurie's always been at the forefront of that. I, I don't think I know a golf pro, maybe other than David Ledbetter, who has a greater book collection than Laurie Montague? Okay, and who was who was as well read as well? Let me tell you, I I probably only know other two, two other people in my life that's more well read than Laurie, um, and one of them's a uh, a, a judge. <laughs> Funnily enough, oh, one's wow. a doctor. So, um, but yeah, no, it's yeah. So um, exposed to some great coaches. Got to spend a lot, a bit of time early on in my playing career with Mark Holland, who was a very yep. very good player, like. One of the best strikers I remember ever seeing, um, and obviously, lot Mark went on to be a scholarship coach under Ross at the AIS. Um, spent some time with Alex, Laurie, Peter Knight, um, yeah, and yeah, just those guys in general, I guess. And, and as I said, I've always tried to get better. It's you know, I, I I love golf that much that whenever I get the opportunity to work on something, I, I spend the time working on it, and. Um, and that's sort of what led me down the path in about 2009 to um, actually 2008 to discover what the golfing machine was about. So um, that was an interesting journey in itself. 
Yeah, for sure. It's um again, some extra things that I'm keen to keen to touch on there too. But being exposed to those type of coaches, how has that had a I'm assuming that had a huge impact on your coaching now. Yeah, look what are some of the things that those guys did that you've brought into your own coaching? Um to be honest with you, I got more um, more out of the coaching in Australia that it was – my impression of it was that it was more discovery-based. So you sort of worked it out as you went along and and you, you began to take um, ownership as a learner of it yourself that way. Um, and then I, I probably – my thirst for knowledge is what sort of led me, you know, offshore really um, – I bought a lot of books at the time. I remember in about 2006 just buying bundles and bundles of books off Amazon and uh, and and I, I, I kid you not, like I'd have a thousand golf books. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I thought I was bad. You, you, you can probably see in the background yeah, there. That's so my... I bought a few of the collector's ones because people sort of said to me, look, you know, search for the perfect swing, Cochrane and Stobbs, David Williams, Science of Golf. Uh, obviously, golfing machine and a few, a few other collectibles. Alex Morrison had one. Um, yeah, so I bought a lot of collectible stuff, which I still have, uh, and a lot of junk as well. That just you know, fad stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just found that yeah, coaching in Australia was more sort of discovery. Um, work it out as you go along. Um, not a not not probably not as technical enough to sort of satisfy my mind i'm a very sort okay. of scientific technical sort of guy i have no artistic creativity whatsoever i'm no i'm not right <laughs> brain at all um yep. so analytical it's not even funny but uh yeah so um but yeah no really good and i think one of the things or probably the best thing i learned was how to practice well um particularly off laurie uh laurie was really um, into sort of collection of data and, you know, whether it's statistics or even, you know, filming your, filming your swing when you practice and things like that. So you could actually go to a lesson with some concrete uh, information with which to, um, you know, launch the lesson, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Uh, and that's going back, gosh, that's as early as 1993. Okay. Yeah, so a long time ago, long yeah, time definitely. ago. I've still got some of his sheets, and I look at um, just in an old folder some of the data collection sheets, and you know Aussie rules golf, and all the stuff that Ross used to do, and and the overlap between these guys is it's huge. Like it, it was ahead of its time. I've got to say, the yeah. training protocols were ahead of their time. Yeah, completely agree. Practice protocols, Ross. training protocols. Ross has come up quite often in the podcast so far already. Just yeah, okay. the stuff interesting. Like, Great guy. It, um, so you had a chance to go to the to the sports institute with yeah, Ross. Institute. Did you? Yeah. So I was part of an AGU team that went down in about 1997. I think uh, there were four of us from New South Wales, four from Victoria. I think Marty Joyce was in the Victorian squad. Uh, I'm trying to remember who else of us went, but yeah, it was great, and we got to spend the week with Ross. And I think that was might have been Mark's first week on on site as well. Uh, we worked with Ramsey, um, strength and conditioning lady down there. I can't remember her name at the time. Would that Played a whole bunch then? of golf. I, I want to say it was a Kelly maybe. Possibly, yeah. I, a long time I, ago I should, I should know because back that year was Lindsay Wright was in the squad and okay. she was a, a girl from Aubrey that Yeah, she was a great player, huh? I spent um, – I spent a bit of time with Lindsay at the Masters in 2012. She, we, were, we were guests of a, uh, a mutual friend at the Masters that week, and we, uh, we went out for dinner. And, and she's, a, she's great, great, uh, great company, you know. Yeah, for sure. Good so, player, great player. Wow. She, yeah, she, great she, player. She had a great college career, hey, at Pepperdine. And she, again, top 10 in some LPGA events as well. Yeah. So that's um, obviously pretty decent. She's, um, I think she's nursing now. So, wow! There you go. What a what actually, a. I actually spoke about her with someone that I just had on the podcast a few weeks ago, and yeah, she came up in conversation as well. And um, yes, um, I'm trying to get her to come on the podcast, but she's not real yeah. good at answering well, emails well, at the be, moment. So that'd be a, a you know an interesting chat about an interesting journey, right? 
Yeah, it would be would be cool. So if you had to spend some time with Ross, you should have the best short game going around. With I was pretty good anyway. Ross and Mark, I was Were pretty you? good anyway. My joke was there was only one guy that could pitch better than me uh, in the state in our state squad, and that was Ed Stedman. And if you watched him pitch, it's exactly looks like how the way he looks like he hits an iron and a driver. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and he was great. Like he just he could just pitch it like unbelievable. Um, but yeah, no, my short game's always been pretty good until I started to fiddle around with my putting when I played professionally. I just sort of just lost track of some of the key principles which uh, underpin. Um, Gosh, everything we do, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I had the um, had the pleasure of sitting on a short game session with Lindsay when she was with Ross and Mark at yes. Sandringham Range. And as a trainee at the time, I was I think I was a second year trainee, and I watched those guys give that short game lesson. I thought, wow, I've got a lot to learn when it comes to coaching. Yeah, but it yeah. Was just, yeah. It was just they were so good at it, communicating and showing them how to yes. play those certain shots. Was, yeah, I've got to say, I still use a lot of Ross's principles in. Um, when it comes to bunkers and and things like some like yeah some some hang tight I I think um you know what we understand about ball flight now and uh, the D plane and things like that is you know some of the stuff you don't need um but I got to say when yeah it it was really good like I remember spending a lot of time with Mark Holland who just had a just had a great short game and 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 he could hit it too like he hit a great. But Marco was just just really like even before he coached, he was just really good at doing it, right? Yeah. And if you see someone that's really good at doing it, you sort of go, "Well, I'm going to copy that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm going to copy this guy. He's good. Yeah, that 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 that's that's um yeah, that's so true, so true. Yeah. So you you turned down the chance to go to the sports institutes and went off to college slash yeah, university at, instead. Studied at Sydney Uni. I um. At the time, I had a guy who was coaching me who was a pretty good player from my part of the world, but he was an all-round sort of sports guy and very fit dude. Uh, coached me for a lot of years, was my swim coach, and I'm, I swim pretty good. Um, uh, well, I used to. I couldn't, you know, I'd, I'd run out of breath now. But <laughs> um, And he helped me with my golf a lot. And, uh, you know, I sort of credited him with getting into our state junior team because he turned my, my game around and, and showed me some key principles that I'd, probably wasn't aware of in my own swing and um and he suddenly died in 1997 so that sort of put things um in perspective for me and i just i sort of would have sort of fallen out of love with golf a little bit i remember i think that year i played the lake macquarie which was before the AIS program was scheduled to start and i missed the cart and i was might have played the state am and i missed the cart and i was just just over it you know and i was like uh, i can't see this going any further than what it is so let's just go to university and uh you know try and learn a few things i guess okay and how was the experience there and um obviously that gives you some extra insights into coaching in the future but how was the yeah. how was the experience doing that uh yeah look um you know you just relies on self motivation at the end of the day you know i i wouldn't think that Anything you do at university is incredibly taxing. Um, mind you, I've never studied medicine, and I was considering going to do uh, studying law. Oh, wow! Um, by a distance, and uh, uh, you know, as a mature age student this year, but um, I just don't have time. But um, yeah, it's um, look. As I say, I have a science background, so uh, it, it was good. I mean, having said that, I remember doing uh, sitting in a physics. Uh, sorry, a biology class in my first year at university, and they covered the entire year 11 and 12 syllabus in the first week. And oh, I thought, they? wow, I'm in trouble here. <laughs> I'm I seriously in trouble. Imagine. And then our second week, we had to write lab reports based on a few experiments we did, you know, pretty easy stuff in hindsight, but people were getting zeros in their lab reports, like first year out of high school, right? And they're going, my God, I'm going to fail this course. Like, I'm going to fail this course on lab reports alone. And, uh, and it, yeah, it was, a, it was a wake-up call. Like, it, it's sort of, you know, you know, some people just get by at university, and I, I guess I did too. Um, but some of, the, some of the subjects I studied, you really had to knuckle down. Like, there was a couple that, gosh, I, rem- oh, gosh, I remember doing philosophy in my first year because I thought, you know, I like to read a little bit, and I just thought, I wasn't experienced, that experienced in humanities, so I thought I've got to do a humanities subject, so I'll do science, I'll do philosophy. And like philosophy 101, I sat there and I was like, 
you said what? And then we did like epistemology, which is theory of knowledge in our first semester. I'm like, I've got no idea what these people are on about. Like absolutely had no connection to the course. And as it turned out, the lecturer became one of my best mates at university. It was a, oh, wow. just, a just a hoot to be around. Um, he was uh, a guy that uh, did a, a show on uh, the ABC with John Safran back okay. in the nineties about the existence of God of all things. But yeah, um, I was going to say, I, I hmm. think I've I think I've seen part of that show. Yeah, it's cl- very clever, very like very very clever and comedic. And 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 this guy who was my lecturer at university was just a. He he just knew how to present. He knew his material backwards, and he knew how to present. So guess what? The ABC wanted him. <laughs> bad point. Bad point. You know, like he could, yeah, sell ice to the Eskimos. <laughs> so so after after doing the the tertiary study, yep. obviously you got back into golf again. So yeah, what, I did. Um, what was the trigger to get you started? Oh, Australian university games. Okay, yeah, I got to play some university games with some. It looks some good players. Um, no one that oh well, one of my was one of my best mates Brent McCullough who went on to be a pretty good trainee and played tour for a little bit now is a successful businessman um, so yeah got to play um, and have a good time and it was you know it's definitely not NCAA standard but uh, yeah and then just got back into it and then um, really started enjoying it again started winning a couple of local. Um, Oh, we call them Vardens in Sydney. I think they'd be Ivo Wittens, maybe. Yep. Does that sound right? In Victoria, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Victoria's in Ivo Wittens. And then, um, yeah, yeah. Then we used to travel down and play the Vic Amateur, the Junes Medal. Um, used to play Queensland Am, Indrapilly Jug, Aussie Amateur. Just travel around and play, um, especially around a, a little bit of a university schedule. And then uh, just thought, oh, look, I'll, I'll play in a few of these and see how I go. Played okay. Started to love it again and just thought, oh, look, I'll – and I went to the States in 2003, 2004, and we played a little bit of um, the American College Summer, which was great, fabulous, um, and then came back and just thought, oh, well, why don't we go to Q School? <laughs> of that's, all a, that's, a, that's a big step to go straight yeah. from playing amateur golf yeah. to Q School. Yeah, and it was, it was interesting, you know. Like I got through first stage. I think I ran third at first stage around ran Furley and then um, – Second stage around Peninsula, I ran top 12. Okay. So that was all right. I think I might have finished. Yeah, definitely. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been any more than about four over for the week, so that was okay. And uh, yeah. all of a sudden had a card. And I was like, Ooh. Off you go. So now we, now we really play, right? We, we don't play for tea towels anymore. We play for checks. So, and how um, did you find that out there playing tour? That would have been Yeah, it was, it was good. Like, um, I had, look, I think in my first year I missed like, Eight cuts by one. Oh wow! Okay, I played a bunch of events. Played, remember playing really good at these Aussie PGA up at Coolum. We rained out the first day, and then we had to play thirty six on the Friday. And I played good the first day. Like I, oh sorry, the first round on the second day, I had seventy in the morning, and uh, bogeyed the last two or something like that. And then played good. We had to play thirty six, but we got through about. And this is just experience because I remember standing on the thirteenth tee. I was maybe two over for the round, even for the tournament. And um, standing on the thirteenth tee there at Coolum, and it was pouring with rain, like crazy rain. And I should have stood there and taken the time. And this is what hindsight tells you, right? I, and waited for the siren to be blown. Whether you know whether I took five minutes to pull my my wets on or um or just stood there in the pouring rain. But, you know, I thought I'd get up there and hit a little quicker and, of course, mishit it a little and it hit the bank and ran in the water and then had to drop it down off the bottom of the ladies' tee and then flood it in the bushes and then, sure enough, they blew the siren and had to come back the next day. Made seven, missed cup by one. Oh, wow. You know, stuff like that. You go, yeah, and then I played good the next week at the Masters, missed cup by one but had 69 putts for two days, which is... You know, around Huntingdale is probably pretty easy to do when the greens are pretty quick and the pins are tight. Yeah. So, yeah, and then I just, again, just got discouraged with it and just felt I was going nowhere. I felt my swing was going nowhere and I just couldn't play with how what I was trying to do, like with my swing, if that made sense. Like, because it's about playing at the end of the day, right? And I had very little control, well, 
very little I felt I had very little control of the ball. Um, and not that I hit it very far at all, but it was just like, wow, I just, you know, if it's a right to left wind, I can't hold it up against the right left to wind, right to left wind, you know, or if it's left to right wind, I can't stop it from going to the right. Um, and just simple things like that. So took a step back, um, was going to gosh, get a job in sales of all things. And, um, uh, a friend of mine approached me and said, why don't you do a traineeship? And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, look. It's a way to be a golf pro. I love golf. So uh, ended up doing a traineeship, which was I thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I um, it's comparable with my university days, I gotta say. It was it was a great time. I played golf uh, under sufferance, I think <laughs> it would be fair to say. I, I I you know, if I had to play twenty rounds, I played twenty rounds. I really loved playing, you know, I used to love going to the Vic trainee champs at Tokenwall. Yeah. Michael McGregor, what an amazing host, put on a great event. Course was always just amazing. Greens were great. Uh, I used to go to the Queensland Am. Uh, went to the Nationals a couple of times down at Catalina. Um, yeah, and just, just had a good time doing it, you know. Like it was – I was fortunate enough to travel with Brent McCullough, so we, we always made sure we had uh, plenty of good red wine and uh, plenty of good food. So. <laughs> So, so you've gone about a slightly reverse to the standard person. They tend to do the traineeship and then go and play. Yeah, you've gone and yeah, played first. Backwards, and, yeah, <laughs> you've gone and played first, then come back into it. Was the goal to come out as a coach, or was the goal to still go out and play after you finish your traineeship? You know what? I didn't have a goal. I just loved golf that much, and I still do. You know, like everyone says to me now, like, you know, what are you doing? And I just say, look, I just love golf. You know, so I'll, I'm. You know, I read books on different things. I'm actually I'm right into club building at the moment of all things. Um, and it's an interesting path I've gone down there. Um, just golf clubs and technology and club building. Um, I just love everything to do with golf. You know, and um, you know, one of your questions I know you're going to ask me later. Where do I see myself down the track? I honestly can't answer that. You know, I guess okay. I've been the jack of all, master and none, at this point in time. <laughs> but um, you know what? I enjoy it in that respect. I you know I enjoy giving. A bunch of lessons. I also enjoy doing some retail. I also enjoy, you know, some of the menial stuff. Like I, in my new role today, I was taking stock out of one business uh, on its point of sale and, and putting it into another business on the point of sale. Like, I mean, talk about menial, but you know what? It, it was fun. It was okay. Can't be too exciting doing that. No, it wasn't. But it's it's you know, like it has its challenges, and it's um, I'm accepting of those and. You know what? At the end of the day, I do realise that the success of this business hinges on me, so I've got to make sure that you know, good data in equals good data out. So, fair point. Fair point. Yeah, all good. You know, all got, good. To, got, to, got to do it. Unfortunately, oh, we're we're not in a position to pay someone yet. So, okay, that's yeah. that's fine. <laughs> so, straight out of your traineeship into coaching full time, or did you go into a club based role? Uh, yeah, no. So the- I was at, at, at my uh, my golf club where I played all my amateur golf. So I had a lot of people that I sort of, you know, just given tips to and played a lot of golf with. And, you know, I guess I've always been quite sharing with, you know, just information and just, you know, show people how to do things and and things like that. So, and that's how I guess I got into coaching. Like I'd always sort of been around good coaches and, you know, been exposed to good guys. And, um, yeah, it was, yeah, I guess it just, the progression followed. Um, I've always coached sport. You know, I've always worked with kids and coached, gosh, I coached golf in schools when it wasn't even a program. You know, I I had my own program where I had five schools and I had 30 kids on a Friday at each school, you know, and we used to, you know, work the day at different schools. Um, We used to use a go-go kit and I just just had our own, you know, I had another guy that worked with me and we just did it. Um, So, yeah, look, uh, yeah, I guess... It wasn't until I started to delve into really what the game, you know, the nuts and bolts of the game, I guess, that I really started to embrace coaching because I, it's so, and I, I'm sure people have said this before me, so it's nothing, it's not a revelation, but it's it's a mixture of science, but it's definitely an art, right? Yeah. Coaching yeah, is an true. art. And knowing the right thing to say at the right time, it's actually going to make a difference to the person that's in front of you. Um, 
and information so readily available now, whether it's you know online books, your track man, your putt lab, your capto, any of this stuff. You know, it's um, it's all well and good, but you know, it's about the person that's in front of you, right? Well, I'm I'm curious to to see how because you said personally yourself that you're very structured and how you get about left brain type person as opposed yeah, to the artistic so. side of things. So how do you bring that that right brain type stuff into it's a good, your coaching? Good question. It's something I've had to work on. It's um again trying to go down a bit more the discovery path of learning and letting the um letting the you know the person in front of you become their own best learner. Uh, I think. Um, you know, one of the things that I did learn at university and one of my, my buddy who's probably a world leader in it, um, is that the body and the brain's pretty clever at working things out if you lead it down that path. Um, and, you know, a little bit of reverse engineering stuff that, uh, some of the, you know, that allow you to sort of teach some of the key principles in golf without actually teaching them, if that makes sense, without actually addressing them. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a challenge, but, you know, always trying to think of inventive or creative ways to teach, right? Like if you want to teach someone to hit it low, who's to say you can't go out on one of the fairways and teach them how to hit it under branches, right? Makes you know, sense Harvey to me. Ben did it right with Ben Crenshaw. He said, look, if you don't want to hit it left, just get down that left side of that range and just keep feathering them up the left hand side of the range, you're right. You know, don't don't go hitting it out of the out of the golf range. So it's not new, but um, I just think you know I learned that a lot with early on in my coaching career, and probably didn't appreciate it till later in my career. If that makes sense. No, it does it does. And I, I've been fortunate enough too. I, I look back on some lessons and I go, you know, they were really really good lessons and really creative lessons on how to get people. You know how to how to get a, a positive result and you know get the person better. I've, I'm curious about how you handle this because I've struggled with this as a coach myself. Is I was very much when I first started coaching. This is what you have to do, step by step instructions, blah blah blah. But you you said some points there. Golfers will get it if you give them the time to get it. Um, I find it really tough to basically shut the hell up and just uh, get the student to experiment and play with stuff. And then you also have clients that just say, just tell me the answer. Don't uh, yes, don't yeah. get me experimenting. No, How well, do you deal with that? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I, my last lesson tonight was a guy that was hitting some drivers and, you know, he'd, he'd get out of his hip, to, you know, to use a bit of technical jargon, but he'd get out of his hip turn too early on the downswing. His right hip would get a little high. His right shoulder get a little high club would be you know it'd be his pivot would be so far in front of where um you know where where the handle of the club is and where the sweet spot needed to be in space and time and you know it was he was just hitting it like flailing it to the right out of the heel all this sort of stuff and it's one of those ones that you know all right how am i gonna get this guy better you know what am i gonna do to help him get better so I just got him to hit some shots where, you know, just just make it go over to the left a little bit more, right? So all of a sudden his pivot started to shut down a little bit. He didn't get off his right side as much. You know, the club was starting to work around a bit more around the hub of the hands and, and off you go sort of thing. But, you know, like it's, it's always a challenge. I don't think, you know, um, unless you've worked with someone for a long time and you know you understand them, intimately and you know their and their patterns intimately and where they play the best golf from gosh you know it's always a challenge brent trying to think of new and inventive ways to just get them to do something different yeah 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 well again it, it can be as simple as if a guy's hitting a 30 yard slice just tell him to hit it left yeah and i I don't care how you're good to go left, no. just get one to go left. Yeah, and look, provided you've, you know, you've ticked all the, the boxes, like the guy's got a, you know, a solid grip and, you know, it, it's sort of doing the, you know, the right thing with the face and the path isn't too far left and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, like this guy was basically trying to hit it with the handle, you know, the handle was like somewhere here and the club head's way back here, if you can see my camera. And, yep. you know... Doesn't matter what hitting sport you play, if the, you know, the handle and the club head's not sort of in the line. Well, guess what? <laughs> yeah, it ain't going to work. Yeah, no, very true. And again, it, it just comes down to 
with with uh, with a player like that, they've they've got something inside of their head that's going on that's causing that. So you just have to try and get to that that concept. And you know what it was? Find out what's going on. And you know what it was? It was me because this guy had a little reverse sequence going on in his swing when I saw him four weeks ago. This was his last lesson, prior lesson. So we said, you know what? We're going to run a little race, and I always call it the race. You know, the finish line is where the ball lies on the ground, and this running race. The pivot's going to win the race first. The handle's going to get past the finish line second, and the club head's going to be third. So guess what? He held on to that for four weeks. <laughs> yeah, great job. But just unfortunately, the club base and the you know the, the the handle just weren't in line, right? So it just wasn't working for him. So he yeah. took me literally. Yeah, he he, he <laughs> did exactly as I asked him, right? So, again, as a coach, it probably just reinforces that you have to keep in touch with those students just to make sure yeah, that they you are do. Yeah, you do. They, that they are overdoing things that you've that you've given them. I think that's human nature, right? I, I don't think, you know, it's generally from a, you know, most people overdo it than underdo it. I haven't seen too many people that, not from my neck of the woods anyway, that uh, underdo stuff. Definitely not. They're, they're all overcookers. You know, people that come to me that slice invariably come back when they're hooking it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and vice that, versa. That does make sense. Um, I'm curious on on your thought on this. Do you think as golf coaches we've, we've focused too heavily on technique and perfect golf swing in the past? It's certainly changing now, I think. But I, in the past, do you think we've focused too much on golf swing? It's interesting, isn't it? Um, I think Australia's had that focus. I'm going to – I'm gonna. hey, look, all the Aussie coaches – it's you can use me as your piñata. Um, <laughs> go to town because I'm I'm ready for this because yeah I think we focus too much on swing and not enough on play. Like having spent a bit of time in the US and and up until probably 2014 I was going probably three to four times a year um, working with some good guys and some interesting guys. What we're learning now and what look what appears through the lens of a camera really uh there's no correlation you know like it's so much of what we see through the camera is affected by our perception and what goes on by the ball is you know obviously because we can't see it um until the advent of things like track man and gears and things like that um we've never truly understood right never truly understood the nuts and bolts of that and i think now that um we have and we do have access to this sort of you know, this sort of feedback, whether it's 3D motion capture, um, tra- your track mans or any launch monitor, um, people are embracing a little bit more individuality, right? I think it's, yeah. you know, and, and you can see it in putting, right? Like, gosh, you would have thought 15 years ago we would be there'd be that many guys putting with, like, claw grips. <laughs> you know, like, Very oh, true. you putt rubbish, you, go, you putt with a claw, right? Like, Morikawa goes out and wins his first major putting conventionally, goes and wins the British Open six months later, putting using a claw grip. Like, go figure, right? Yeah, it is. And it, again, and, and I, I, I am, I do think it's changing. I do think we are getting more about scoring and playing golf as opposed to playing swing. Um, so I certainly think it is changing. But I'm certainly of the same opinion that we did tend to focus very heavily on on perfect golf swing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and look, I, you know, I could be accused of that myself in my early days. Like, you know, I wanted, you know, I wanted the perfect swing, but again, what is it? You know, like nobody, you know, I want to say that nobody could define it for me in Australia. You know, and that's, I'm sorry to say that that's the reality, you know, like nobody could give me what I wanted here. So I went elsewhere and that's fine. I, I, I don't bear any grudges with that, but. You know, I led me down the golfing machine path and never in a million years did I ever think that I'd be using a full swivel roll release through the follow-through because that's what I wasn't taught. I can tell you that. When I was struggling (laughs) out on tour and I was hitting it and I'm hooking it, nobody ever told me to carry it a little bit more in my downswing and you can still full swivel roll release it and not hit it left. Nobody ever said that to me. And let me tell you, that was... um, I still remember that lesson, gosh, in 2011. That was a revelation to me. <laughs> so so talk me through who were some of those people that you sought out overseas to help you get yeah, those answers. 
Yeah, good question. Um, so I got heavily involved in the golfing machine. I bought Joe Daniels, who's, I guess you could call him the owner, uh, the golfing machine out to Australia a couple of times in, when did we bring Joe out? I want to say first time in about 2009, 2010. So I was well into the golfing machine, did my level two, started my master's, just all too hard for me. Uh, it was, it's, it's a really difficult thing to do. Um, and you really have to have an intimate knowledge of the book and, um, understand how to go about writing a master's using the book, which is tricky. Um, one of my good buddies who's a, for an Englishman is, uh, a great guy, but he's, uh, an amazing brain when it comes to the golfing machine. So I got, I was very fortunate enough to spend a lot of time with him and bounce a lot of ideas off him. Um, that led me to guys like Brian Manzella, who is my mentor. Uh, he's been amazing. I've brought Brian out to Australia. I brought him out in 2014. Got to go to a couple of his anti-summit uh, seminars, which were really basically just think tanks um, with some amazing presenters who have since gone on to become really good, you know, or prominent, let's just say, tour coaches and things like that. Um Gosh, who else? So I spent a bit, a bit of time with Grant Waite, um, another guy by the name of VJ Trollio, who okay. may or may I'm not have come heard across of. him. Um, big golfing machine guy, um, wrote a great book about Hogan. Who prob? It's probably the best book written about Hogan. I think. I think. Look, anyone that's knowledgeable on Hogan would say it's probably the best book written on Hogan. Um, uh, gosh, and yeah, and that's sort of it, and. Spent a bit of time with Kevin Weeks, uh, short game guy. Um, David Orr with putting. Uh, yeah, so yeah, had a, had a chance to chat to some really good guys, um, and you know, spent some week, uh, you know, weeks at a time doing some learning stuff with them, and yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good to watch not only those guys. Um, I guess share their ideas on teaching and watch them teach, but also uh, you get an insight into how much they've actually studied this. That's yeah. the interesting part, you know. They're like they're still learning now, yes, like we all are. Like these guys are, they're entrenched in it. <laughs> they're not getting out anytime soon. You know, I guess that's the definition of an expert, right? True. Yeah. yeah. And you've I, certainly gone down my podcast hit list then with some of those names. So I'd be, I think I'll be coming to you for some contact emails to some of those guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hey, look, Brian's great to get on. He's always great for a chat. We we try and chat every month and you know run some. I'm doing my uh, Manzella certification at the moment. I have been for about two years. I just can't find the time to do it because of the time difference. But um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, he's he's always good for a chat, mate. He'll he'll he'd love to have a chat to you. Cool. I was definitely getting in touch with Brian. So if you are tuning in, Brian, I'm coming after you to come on the show. So. <laughs> that, that's really cool. Um, something that appeals to me about you, Robbie, is your constant um, – not so much constant, but you're always happy to give advice and share your information with people. So you've been involved with, with trainee schools over the years and you've done presentations throughout your time as a coach. Is that something that you go out of your – way to do or is it something that's just popped into your into um, your life or yeah it's that's a good question um yeah no look I, look i guess i'm not sharing anything that's new i think that's the first thing like i'm sharing stuff that i've had the privilege to have shared with me you know and that i've learned along the way and some people take it some people leave it that's fine i i don't but i think you tend to gravitate towards people that you know like to share if that makes sense, and 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 hence my involvement with the PGA is because the PGA, I think um, it's probably the the qualification that I'm most proudest of. I I, I sort of I really do love the organisation. I love our organisation, and um, I think it it has golf ultimately golf and golf pros um, in its best interests. I really do. Um, and uh, yeah, no, I, I say if I can give back and help out a little bit and. Happy to do it, more than happy to do it. Which is cool. And something that comes up in all your, your talks that I've heard you give is setting yourself up as a as a team, as a coach. Yeah. So as opposed to being the person that I know everything about golf, yep. you're going to set yourself up as a as a team. So talk me through who you've got in your coaching team. 
Gosh, who have I got nowadays? Um, I guess my team isn't as expansive as what it used to be. Um, I used to use a guy, oh, and he's still one of my best mates, but he's no longer in Sydney, but he's a tremendous, tremendous um, uh, guy when it comes to the body and the brain. He's a PhD student, neuroscience, um, doctor of medicine, uh, inventor of a, a phenomenal piece of mathematics and engineering uh, body contouring device called the OOV. And in fact, we're doing a, an online course in about 10 days um, with a gentleman by the name of Thomas Myers, who's been a world-renowned expert in um, connective tissue and fascial tissue in the body and its role in stability and, uh, yeah, and basic as function and its importance in golf and things like that, particularly around, um, uh, you know, shoulder joint and things like that, um, which we're looking, very looking forward to. I want to learn more about it from a golf perspective. He wants to learn more from uh, a clinical and, um, yeah, more a clinical perspective, I guess, um, for, you know, testing and re- rehabilit- you know, rehabilitative, rehabilitative therapy. Um, yeah, so he's one of my guys. Um, Gosh, that's that's probably he's he was my my main guy. Um, look, other than that, I, I guess I don't really have anyone anymore. Like I used to do a little bit with Rob Neal, uh, and yep. Rob's great. Still stay in touch with Rob. Um, and he, he talk about someone who's very sharing with um, what it is they do, and they've been doing it. Like again, the definition of an expert, right? Been doing it for long, a long, long time. <laughs> Tremendous runs on the board, and just an all round good guy. You know, just just good to be around. Um, yeah, and I guess that's about it. You know, um, I, I've sort of tried to tap into the minds of um, a lot of other coaches around the world as well. Um, as I say Golfing Machine was very kind to me that way. It introduced me to a lot of, uh, and I say not just um, PGA accredited coaches, but um, you know, um, just guys that just love golf again <laughs> and just want to understand it better and for their own benefit as well as those around them. So, no, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. So let's let's touch on this this club fitting slash building yeah, thing sure. you've got going at the moment. How does that tie into your coaching? Um, I've always been into golf equipment. So um, I was a ping ambassador for a lot of years and. Uh, most recently, Mizuno, but now I just have a, a generic set of clubs. I call it something that looks. I wish I wish mine looked almost like Bernard Langer's, but uh, I'm heading that way. So yeah, it's just been a bit of a journey on um, understanding. Uh, you know, I've always been a swing weight build guy. Moved into moment of inertia build, which again sort of borderlines uh, single length. There's quite an overlap there, like just getting tr- to trying to get all your clubs to feel the same. Um, and obviously you look at, start looking at profiles of shafts and there's a reason why you gravitate towards certain shafts because you like, uh, a certain profile, whether it's a stiffer butt end, a softer midsection, a stiffer tip, which is my flavor. Um, yeah. And then obviously the performance characteristics of different heads with center of gravity location and, you know, tweaking loft and, and obviously it's effect on bounce and, and things like that. Like, and. Yeah, you know, I've I've learnt a lot. I, I joined a an organisation a couple of years ago called the um, I've got to remember it. It's the Association of Golf Club Fitting Professionals. Okay. Uh, it's a bit of a uh, how can I put it? A bit of a uh, like an incognito group on the on 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 the web. <laughs> yeah. But you know, clever guys. Uh, Tom Wishon's involved, regular contributor, um, who is just like. Is the man when it comes to golf clubs, right? Design golf of clubs, fitting, design just about, isn't he? Yep, absolutely. And you know, you know, everyone thinks that you know it's just about lies and lofts, and you know, everyone's you know plays this shaft or no, it's not. You know, it's there's a little bit more to it than that. And the guys that do it really well um, are the guys. Coincidentally enough, that this is an expensive sport, right? And it gets very addictive. That these are the guys that have tapped into that, you know, that that sector of retail, and they've a they understand it well, b they market it well, and c they just do a great job of building golf clubs that work. Period. Yeah. You know, and 
performance, you know, I say to people, you know, my guys that I coach, performance enhancing instruments. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a cool is. little term. <laughs> you know, that's all it is, you know, and, you know, there's many things, there's many, uh, many ways to do it. But, um, yeah, I, so, yeah, so for me, it's, it's, I'm fiddling around with shafts at the moment. I'm looking at graphite and, and, um, obviously metal composite and, tweaking lofts and you know i've gone back to to a traditional set of clubs in terms of loft uh with no with center of gravity not as low with a higher spinning ball to help achieve a greater peak height and i try and measure this as much as i can on trackman um i think i've got to validate it not only by what i see but what i uh, you know what i see in flight and what i play with but also on the screen um and that and that's been really yeah really quite a journey um and you know i think you know the biggest thing i've learned is the shaft is a timing mechanism and helps you feel the club head and really it's the the club head does most of the stuff okay yeah and as i say this shaft is just that timing mechanism you know if I could give a piece of advice to anyone, it's play a softest, the softest possible shaft you can manage. You can, yeah, you can Great keep on the, on the planet. Yeah, I, know I would, I would tend to agree. I know back in my club fitting days, it was certainly softer for the average golfer for sure. They were using clubs that were too stiff. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting. It's you know, like I have a sm- fairly smooth transition, right and. You know, I still swing it with a driver about 104 miles an hour without stepping on it, you know, and I can still go around and play with a ladies' set of clubs because my transition suits, you know, a, a light, soft flex. Like, I can still handle it. But if you're a, a really aggressive transitioner, they ain't going to work for you, you know, and that's, that sort of profile of shaft probably won't work for you, so. I think as a as a coach, it's it's good to get into club fitting because, you, it's a, as you said, it's a, it's a stream of income. Yeah. Which you can have coming in, and also you're giving your students equipment that they can use. Yeah, which has to make your job easier as a coach as well. Wow, and and look, you know, I always say to everyone, don't yeah, and this is something I always say to the trainees, but don't give people a reason to go elsewhere either, right? Like you know, they're, they're, your customer, you're their point of contact. Makes you're sense. the uh, <laughs> the expert in their eyes. So um, yeah, look, help them out, help them out. Mate. Makes sense. Now, quickly, you you spoke about coaching online. You've gone yes. into that space in the past, but now you're getting into it as well. What are you? What platform are you using? How are you? Uh, I've are you been doing using that? Zoom, and uh, I've been using a little bit of. Um, I've signed up with these guys, and we're still having a few little technical issues. But um, I don't know if it's hit Melbourne yet, but um, or Victoria Golf Mate. They have an on like a little. It's like an app slash platform that's really great. Like it's it's um, Glenn and I got in my business partner Glenn Whittle and I got in at grassroots and um, got involved with these guys. And it's a it's basically like a Facebook for golf, whereby you can stay in touch with your students, your students or students, anyone looking for a golf lesson can find anyone within their you know local area, let's say, or within ten kilometers of them. You can just set a radius. Um, but as I say, it gives you a what's called as a storyboard, so you can publish some success stories and some not so success stories. You can publish tips. You can just message. It has a messaging platform. You can do online lessons. It, it really is a fabulous little tool, and and it serves as a booking, a uh, as a booking mechanism as well. So yeah, it's 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 a fabulous little thing. I hope it, it gets off the ground for the guys that have. Um, invested time and money in it because it's it's a fabulous little product so it, it does it, 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 that sounds really cool but it, there's so many platforms out there these days and they're improving all the yeah. time which is great yeah I, yeah I've, I, I haven't really as i say like you know it started out with sending just little you know um i message videos and things like that and then i was the same doing that back yeah, in the day you know like and then it, it sort of gets into um, you know, I, I'm fortunate with a couple of people I teach in Victoria. They've got their own hitting nets in their garage, so they they just do a live lesson with me over Zoom, and you know that works great. And you know, we get to catch up and get to see some of it in action. Because um, I've got to say, sometimes some of the live lessons are just a review of what's gone on, and you don't get to see um, 
you might not get to see some uh, you know some action but um yeah it's it's been very uh, oh look hey when you like teaching you're happy to do it in any um any sort of form or any instance right yeah true true i get that yeah it's so. uh no, mate, I, I really appreciate you coming in and talking to me tonight. But there is, as you're uh, being told in the in the in the past, there's five questions I'd like to ask everybody. I'm ready for them. So I'm going to throw those at you. So for coaches starting out, advice for them: watch good coaches coach. I think everyone's accepting of the fact there's lots of information out there. Like you know, we can learn off Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all that sort of stuff. In fact. You know, your clients can well do that too. But um, watch good coaches coach. That tends to be a really common common theme coming through. And, yeah, I, I, I've been fortunate through my own coaching career to have good quality coaches be extremely open to yes. me spending time with them and watching them. And I think in Australia, all of the top-end coaches are generally pretty open to people coming along and, and observing and seeing how it's done. So yes. I, I think that, that that's great advice. For yes. Those coaches yeah. Starting yeah out, no. So. It's, um, especially too, because we've got so many. For such a small country, obviously we've got so many prominent coaches, um, but also a lot of guys that fly under the radar too. You know, like, you know, you don't have to. Um, as I've always said, you know, you don't have to have a, uh, tr- you know, back in the day, a triple A accreditation to be a good coach, right? Yeah, no, it's certainly, certainly true, but. Slap on the wrist. Don't use that AAA no, terminology that's right. anymore. You, yes, well, uh, yes, certified. Certified PJ member, advancing coaching. Is what yes, advanced coaching. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. Um, so how about some tips for some golfers out there? What have you got for them? Tips for golfers as in to get better? Yeah, it is. Yeah, how um, can they improve their golf? Start with your grip. Make sure your grip's correct. Um, I can't stress it enough. It wasn't until I understood this probably about eight years ago. The importance of the grip, being able to use your hands and your arms correctly to assist with the lining up of the club, the rotational force that you're able to apply to the club to help it square up, uh, and the force that you can apply to the ball and the ball in resistance to the club. Uh, so important. Um, I think it's the one commonality that uh, anyone that's any good at this game has is that they've all got sound and functional grips. Um, and invariably trying to get, once you do get that grip, get that grip to match the club face at the top of the swing in the orientation that you want it um, is really important. Yep, so, you know, a flattish sort of left, flattish left wrist, flattish looking club face at the top is a good start. But come on, mate, I can't change my grip. It feels bad. It feels uncomfortable. Isn't it just, yeah. I, you know what, I... Anyone that's given me a golf lesson will testify with the fact that I have fiddled around with my grip from day dot and I still continue to fiddle around with it. I remember I played the Australian Trainee Champs in 2008. I had played all my life using an overlap grip and then I played the Champs because I was that uncomfortable with my grip. I played with interlock for the week and I ran top 10. Just off the cuff, just hitting balls (laughs) on the range, just going uh, into like this week. And then I busted my finger about four years ago and I had to use reverse overlap and it's still no good. But, um, and that was a revelation again. But, um, yeah, but I think, you know, mark me down in the diary this time, 7.21 on Wednesday, the 29th of September, Rob says, I've got it worked out. (laughs) <laughs> we'll come back in 12 months' time and, and do a part two and we'll Total sure new changed. formula by then, you watch. Like That's it's all it. right. <laughs> um, is there anything that you would change in your, your career up until now? Um, Coaching-wise? Yeah. Um, or no, definitely not coaching. Playing-wise, playing I think I wish I would have stuck at it a little bit. Uh, a little bit longer. Um, I probably didn't give myself enough time and I wasn't patient enough with myself, and that only comes with age. Um, you know, I'm a lot more patient with myself now than what I used to be. And I think knowing now, yeah, the old story, right? If I knew back then what I know now, and you know what? That's the reason why I keep working on my swing because, you know what, I want to go back and probably play some events. That's my goal. You know, I think that's my goal is to get out and play again and feel like a player. 
Okay, that's 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 cool. That's mm. cool. It, it but it it's so tough though because when you're 21, 22 years old out there trying to make as a, as a tour player, you a you haven't got the experience, and b you haven't got the cash to stay out there to get the experience sometimes yeah. as well. So it's a, it's a hard situation. And it's, it is a leap of faith in many ways, Brent. Like I, you know, I I did this fairly late in life as well in the respect that I went and worked for myself late in you know started my own business and my own company and. Going to do that is is a leap of faith, and it's the same as you know, no different to being a touring pro. Um, I guess I was scared to go into debt, you know, and I was, you know, like at the end of the day, I was, I felt I just didn't have the tools to do it. But I look at it now, and I go, you know, I understand it a lot more now. I'm a lot more, you know, sympathetic towards or empathetic towards myself. Um, I think I can do this, you know, and I'm ready to test what it is I've learned. I think that's the big thing for me is I want to test what it is I've learned, what it is I've worked on over the years, both um, you know, from a technical perspective, from a what's up here perspective, and um, just enjoy the challenges of the game again, you know? Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, okay, so five years' time, where do you see coaching or yourself personally? You can answer both or one. Or- um, look, I'd, I'd like to say I would be – just coach, you know, perfect world, uh, retired, well, not retired, sorry, coaching full-time without any financial stress and playing as much golf as possible. My goal, I've always said, would be to be financially secure enough that I could coach golf for free. Okay. And my that's, contribution that's... would be to have people book in and have lessons per normal, but every for one week a month, um, uh, you know, if I was still coaching for lessons but financially stable, um, be able to donate the money to charity. Oh wow! Yeah, I okay. think that'd be nice. I think it's it's. I think if everyone did a little bit of charity, the world would probably be a better place. So, is there any certain type of charity that you're keen to help out, no, or is it just a, really? Just we, in we have a we have a fond. My partner and I we have a fond. Um, affliction for animal-based charities so we we've rehomed we foster cared for dogs and and puppies and you know from that are you know basically on death row and managed to rehome them and things like that so we have a bit of a soft spot one of our my uh my big boy hubert he's an american staffy that by the time he was uh nine weeks he'd had four different homes Oh wow! Sad. And my my partner rescued him from a uh, drug infested house out at uh, Western Sydney, and we kept him for three weeks, and then I brought him into the bed at twelve weeks, and then we've had him ever since. Can't get him out of the bed. <laughs> he's he's found his place in the home. That's I'm it. Staying here, and he's a he's a big boy. He's about thirty five kilos, so oh. <laughs> bit of big so he's... giant. No, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. We have the same thing here. We just got to. Rescue animal as well in yeah. the last last oh, twelve months amazing. or so, and she's gorgeous, little little old 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 girl. But yeah, she's, beautiful, um, she's a sweetheart, beautiful so, mate, like that, absolutely awesome. Now you've you've kind of answered this question all the way through the podcast with all your sources of of learning and sources of information. But is there any certain spots that you tend to go to now for sources of learning? No, um, oh look, Brian Menzel is my main one, and Mike Jacobs with um all the stuff they're doing. It's cutting edge, like it's. There's nothing else in the world of golf like it, and I've been privy to see some of this stuff in full flight, um, both in person and uh, with what we're doing now, and it is truly amazing. Um, I think it's going to redefine golf coaching um, and give us just another broader set of parameters, right, within which to work and, again, maybe embrace a little bit more of this individuality that, um, you know, seemingly be more prevalent but you know what like you have a look at the hall of fame right like how many guys swing at the same in the hall of fame not you know no one sticks <laughs> out in my mind no, everyone looks sure. slightly different right awesome mate mate i've enjoyed this chat so much um thank you no, so thank much for you, coming mate. it's in. been my pleasure i um i've really enjoyed it too it's uh it's interesting to talk about it because you you know when you when you're in the involved in the uh in the battle you 
you sometimes lose track of what goes on and uh, but to be able to reflect upon it it's it's pretty cool it's pretty yeah, cool no, it was a, a great chat so where can people find you? Social media handles, websites? Yeah, look, I wish I was a bit more vigilant on the social media and things like that. I um, Look, curtisgolf.com. It's just a little booking platform if you're interested. Jump in, come and have a chat, have a listen. Hey, just ring me or email me if you want to talk golf. I, got, I, don't, I don't have all the time in the world, but I can give you what I have and uh, I'd be more than happy just to talk anything golf because, I, as I say, I love it. I'm about to go up and have some dinner and watch the Ryder Cup. <laughs> nice, nice. Sounds like a plan. Beverage um, yeah. of choice as well, I'm sure, sitting beside you while you're enjoying that. Oh, so. no, look, no, you know what? I was telling a good buddy of mine who's a, who's a tour guy and we turn pro together and he's a good player. Uh, you know, I haven't had an alcoholic drink in about nine months. Oh, wow. And okay. I haven't missed it. I, I just I just haven't. Um, it, it doesn't st- it's, that's not saying that I haven't made up for it in other areas, mate. Let me tell you, the ice cream and the chocolate and everything else has been copping a hiding in Lou. <laughs> no, I, I, I no. certainly feel you, mate. I certainly feel yeah, you. Yeah, so. well, it's amazing what lockdown does, right? You just look for every snack option possible when you go to the shops. Yeah, no, I, 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 I certainly get that. So I will put some links into your, your stuff in the show notes for everybody. So thank you, mate. again, mate, Appreciate thank it. you for coming in. No, and any time. Thanks, Brent. I, uh, it's great to, uh, to chat to you again, as always. And um, I think uh, what you're doing is, is, is amazing for all the PGA members, mate. I think um, I, I feel very privileged to have the opportunity to chat to you. And um I'm sure you're going to have a number of great uh, members, you know, with, with varying experiences on the cast, which I think is is fabulous, mate. I, I take my hat off to you. Appreciate the kind words and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.